This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Hi, I'm Katherine Klein. I'm Vice Dean for Social Impact at Wharton, and I'm delighted to speak today with Kat Taylor, who is the co-founder and CEO of Beneficial State Bank. Beneficial State Bank is a triple bottom line business focused on uh, enhancing the prosperity, economic sustainability, and environmental sustainability of low-income communities. So, Kat, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. This is a tremendous opportunity for us. Thank you. I'm delighted to speak with you. So let's start with a bank. So why a bank? So others with your level of professional achievement, your level of uh, financial uh, achievements, success would, and your passion for social justice, for environmental change, I think would say, all right, let's start a charitable foundation. Mm -hmm. You said, let's start a bank. Why a bank? Yeah. So often people don't even want to talk about banking because it's boring and complex and has um, some negative affiliations. But banks, nonetheless, are extremely important in the way not only the economy works, Mm -hmm. but in, in what we drive in terms of societal outcomes. The way we think about banking is that it is, in a way, the original and most powerful form of crowdfunding, not that a specific deposit funds a specific loan, Mm -hmm. but all deposits fund a lending practice, and they do it with enormous prerogatives granted by us, the public, starting with FDIC insurance that Mm -hmm. allows banks to gather deposits at very low cost because they're insured risk-free up to $250,000. Also, we're a leveraged business model. Uh, Banks enjoy leverage of at least 10 to 1, so we have sort of exponential impact. Mm -hmm. We recycle the capital. It goes out in loans and comes back to us in large part so we can loan it again, so the impact accumulates over time. And it's an extremely disciplined business model. We have 13 exams a year and three separate regulators, so we're constantly monitoring and understanding what that capital's doing. Um, banking is super important, and we've underestimated how much it drives in society and, in our view, under-expected of it. We should ask more of our banks. Mm-hmm. They drive um, so much important um, in outcomes of importance to us. So we did look at other models before starting mm-hmm. the bank, uh, venture philanthropy, mm-hmm. uh, traditional um private foundation, et cetera. But we kept coming back to the bank model because of its influence mm-hmm. and its centrality to most people in their lives. It's probably likely where a lot of people got their mortgage, where they transact their business. It used to be a pillar of the community and um, communities. It's right. less that now, but uh, it can be a really important uh, part of the whole ecosystem in which the families and individuals and communities we care most about live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and for those who are not familiar with Beneficial State Bank, give us a picture of this bank. What's different? It's not. It's not Bank of America. Yeah. You know what? What is it? What should we? How do we visualize this? How do we understand its scope and size? Sure. So uh, we started in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, some might have considered that an inauspicious time to become a bank, but actually, by the luck of the timing of our birth, mm-hmm. we made it through the Great Recession that landed in 2008 mm-hmm. because we hadn't lent much money out yet. So mm-hmm. we didn't have sick assets because we honestly didn't have many assets at all other than cash. Mm-hmm. And we got enormous insights looking at that maelstrom. 
what caused it, what the repercussions were, mm -hmm. how it amplified mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, at this point, we've grown to be 800 million in assets. That sounds like a big number to me, but it's actually quite tiny in the banking landscape. The biggest banks in the world are now well over two trillion in assets. That's many, many zeros away. Um, but actually, our size is now getting to be an asset for us mm -hmm. in terms of coverage. We have 18 offices, uh, 225 employees in the three West Coast states. So we're starting to get the geographic infill mm -hmm. we desire. We're not attempting to be a national bank in, in large part because our model depends on accountability and that requires responsiveness. But we're getting to a scale where we can have influence on the banking system. Um, and we also are getting a product set that more fully answers what people could and should expect from a bank. So we're now a consumer lender as well as a commercial lender mm -hmm. offering auto loans and credit cards, but also scaled uh, finance for social enterprise, nonprofits, et cetera. So the difference in the bank um, are design features mm -hmm. that we intentionally laid in to make sure that our bank model would be in alignment with the public interest and the values of our stakeholders. Mm -hmm. First off, we define our stakeholders much more broadly, much more like a B corporation like we are. Mm -hmm. They include not our, only our customers, borrowers, and transactors, of course, not only our equity shareholders, but also our communities, the environment, and the public at large. Mm -hmm. So in order to uh, have true alignment with those stakeholders, the first thing we changed was the ownership structure of the bank. So 100% of the economic rights of Beneficial State Bank are held and owned by Beneficial State Foundation, which yeah. is a public charity. Public charities are uh, governed permanently in the public interest. They can never be controlled by a private individual. Mm -hmm. um, and the bylaws of that foundation uh, require it when it receives profit from the bank through the dividend process to reinvest those profits back into the communities that we serve, which are primarily low income, and the environment upon which we all depend. The second design feature has to do with that lending practice. Mm -hmm. If we are crowdfunding on behalf of our stakeholders, then we should that we should lend uh, with respect to their values. So preponderantly, we put our loan capital, meaning we count the loan dollars, and at least 75% should be in the hands of change makers who are either providing something we desperately need, like affordable housing, renewable energy, sustainable food, or their unique ownership structures like ours as well, B corporations, worker mm -hmm. cooperatives, or they're simply communities and actors who've been deprived of capital in the past and have a very valid point of view to bring into the main economy. Yeah. So that would be small business at large, women and minority-owned businesses, um, low-income communities, nonprofits, et cetera. That's design feature number two. Mm -hmm. Design feature number three is radical transparency. Mm. So we not only report out on what our loans are doing, mm -hmm. uh, who's holding them, and that warrant that they aren't undermining our triple bottom line that you described, mm -hmm. but we're also taking affirmative commitments about how we act as a corporation. We are a B Corporation, right. fifth highest in the um, satellite uh, the community. Um, we are also a community development financial institution, which is a treasury designation that's hard to get and hard to keep. Uh, we have a living wage policy. We pay 150% of living wage in all markets, fully benefited. We don't f uh, finance fossil mm -hmm. fuels. We measure our greenhouse gas and water and landfill footprint, drive it down every year on an FTE basis. We sign the Small Business Bill of Rights, et cetera, et cetera. You can see right. what we're trying to do is hold ourselves accountable to third-party auditable standards so that we 
act and fly right. Yeah. And the purpose of that is double um, because our mission is to change the banking system for good, and we're not going to do that as one bank. We're going to do that in uh, a theory of change that involves migrating over time, deposit equity and human capital into these kinds of warranties, into banks that act like us. Mm. They will always be bigger than us, but they can act like us, and they might choose to um, as their growth strategy um, where the big banks can't change very readily. The um, mid-sized banks need uh, always new strategies for growth, and we think we're giving them sort of a playbook on that. Fascinating. So a couple of questions and points to underscore. One is, are your, are your branches um, based only in low-income communities? How do you think about uh, you know, where they're located and where you'd want to expand? Sure. Um, well, the whole branch model is somewhat up to mm-hmm. inquiry at the yeah. moment because of the arrival of technology to banking right. like every other yeah. industry. Uh, we feel like we still need to have a physical presence, mm-hmm. and we, where possible, we choose for that to be in low-income communities. So preponderance of our branches mm-hmm. are in low-income markets, mm-hmm. um, some exceptions just by anachron- uh, anachronistic choices of the past. We've bought for banks, mm-hmm. and so sometimes we inherited their branch right. decision. But, for instance, the two banks that we just merged with in June gave us seven new branches, five in the Central Valley of California, mm-hmm. very important area for us for us to serve, one in East L.A. and one in North Hollywood, and they are very much aligned with low-income community service. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, whole question of branch banking is one of not only what are you, the What's the user experience that people are looking for? Mm-hmm. It's also a chance for us to improve the ecological footprint of banking. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think it would be nice if we converted all those corner bank branches of old that yeah. are uh, not so necessary in, anymore into low-income housing to reinsert uh, needed affordability into the urban core. Yeah. But that might be a pipe dream at this that, point. At this point. At this point. I won't put it past you. Um, <laughs> so you've been in business nearly 10 years years. What do you think, the, as you reflect back on those 10 years, what are important lessons learned? I mean, when you launched this bank with these bold ambitions, and now you've, you're here and mm-hmm. alive and well 10 years later, key lessons, key points of right. transition. Um, so I think in the beginning, we had to begin, and we had to experience what it was like to be a bank, what the opportunities mm-hmm. and challenges are in the banking landscape, and understand them deeply. Um, and I think we probably thought we were going to change the banking system in an incremental fashion Mm -hmm. by just becoming kind of a bank that better serves the public interest. Mm -hmm. I think now we've grown to realize that we need to redefine the category writ large, Hmm. that we should expect more from our banks. Mm -hmm. We should understand the enormous public prerogatives, publicly derived prerogatives that they have Mm -hmm. and how uh, impactful they are on societal outcomes and make the banking system work for us. There's $12 trillion of deposits in the American economy alone. Those belong to us. So um, if we make choices in alignment with our own values, Mm -hmm. we might get better outcomes out of the banking system. And at this point, we really need to because it overwhelms a lot of other industries' ability uh, to address those uh, large societal problems. And we dasn't have it driving them, the Mm -hmm. problems, that is. So um, if you look at philanthropic capital, for instance, Mm -hmm. I was told recently that all the philanthropic capital uh, in the United States put together would fund about 15 months of the public school budget. Wow. So if we can get 
business models fundamentally right in the first place, especially banking, mm-hmm. so that they don't cause a lot of negative externalities or problems for us, mm-hmm. then we don't have to spend so much time and resource cleaning things up. Right. That's the main insight, I think. I mean, there are many. We've made mm-hmm. our share of missteps along the way. Uh, acquisition uh, and integration is tricky. Uh, culture is massively important. Mm-hmm. A lot of young companies ignore culture until they have an accidental one. Mm-hmm. These are things, the blocking and tackling of every single day that we have to keep working on. Um, and we still need to grow. Half of Californians live south of Ventura Boulevard, and we're not really present there. So we have more uh, wood to chop. Yeah, yeah. And so you have this larger mission of not only serving your customers and communities, but transforming the banking system. That's huge mm-hmm. vision. Mm-hmm. How do you get there? Yeah. So we were just revisiting some proof points Mm -hmm. that uh, were derived from a rebranding process we went through to become Beneficial State Bank. Mm -hmm. You can imagine on the way buying four banks and growing the initial one um, and moving into three state markets, we had to change our name a fair bit along the way. But Beneficial State is a name that's meant to suggest the beneficial state we should all be in as a result of our banking system Mm -hmm. being in alignment with our values. So the proof points that we call out and use to identify if we're getting closer to changing the banking system for good mm-hmm. are, number one, um, making sure that we're deploying capital for its highest purpose, mm-hmm. which means actually helping our borrowers attain their highest purpose, make sure that um, – for instance, B corporations who have a very explicit high purpose mm-hmm. instilled in their very DNA, we need to help them be successful and grow that community. So first, um, basically power to the highest purpose. Mm-hmm. Second is uh, to make sure that the banking system is generating healthy transactional services for people. Uh, banking services that actually make them better off the day after than the, they were the day before. Mm-hmm. Not payday loan debt that is a debt trap, not the overextension of products that no one wants or needs, mm-hmm. but uh, banking services that uh, literally allow someone um, to be healthy in their right. life. Uh, the third is, um, and it's based on our, our profit-taking model is reinforces this, but we need the banking system to actually reinforce the communities that they serve and the earth upon which we all depend. So the fact that we are putting profit back into those mm-hmm. communities and the planet is an important proof point for us. I will say we have not issued a dividend because young banks, especially who are still acquiring, mm-hmm. um, are encouraged by the regulators to retain all earnings for growth. But the bank, the strongest lever we have to achieve uh, healthy communities and a healthy planet is the bank. It's really the lending practice mm-hmm. that does mm-hmm. it. So uh, we would always f- uh, preference lending over grant making. Nevertheless, we did capitalize the Beneficial State Foundation so that it can grant into our communities about 5 to 10 percent of the equivalent of our profit every year, mm-hmm. which is much higher than other banks. The last is that we, we need to be true advocates. We need to be a voice for change. Mm-hmm. It isn't enough to quietly labor on our own. We have to join trade associations like the Global Alliance for Banking on Values and the Community Development Bankers Association to advocate with our regulators and stakeholders uh, and the public for a better banking system. And the best way we can do that is first and foremost to show that a bank aligned with those values mm-hmm. that's re- resiliently profitable 
is a viable uh, alternative to some of the other models in the system. Mm -hmm. But we also s speak with as loud a voice as we possibly can. Yeah. All right. So so part of it is being a role model, mm -hmm. doing your business well, being a role model, and, and sharing the story and, and, and getting out a, a, an alternative model of banking. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go to the... Um, um, your B certification as a, mm -hmm. as a certified B corporation. Um, so as you, you know, well know, companies that are B certified go through this elaborate um, um, vetting process and assessment around a set of practices. The B lab assessment measures your environmental practices, your practices for your workers, your customers, your community, and your governance. Mm -hmm. And um, and as you said, I think what you said you're the fifth highest scoring, mm -hmm. but yeah. so a, a, a quite an accomplishment. Um, I'd love to uh, to hear more about your practices, specifically with regard to, to workers. So some years ago, as you know, a study got a lot of attention pointing out that nearly a third of all bank tellers uh, uh, in the United States qualified for and received some form of mm -hmm. uh, public assistance. So yeah. people working in the banks on food stamps, on, uh, on me Medicaid, and so on. Mm -hmm. How do you pay your, your workers? How do you try to not be those banks? Right. So we call that part of the train of misery, actually, that one-third of bank tellers. And it shocks people because um, the banks are among the uh, most profitable corporations in the world. Uh, so why they would not pay their workers enough to mm -hmm. avoid needing public assistance is a quandary. Mm -hmm. In our case, we proactively make a, an affirmative commitment to them that we will pay 150% of living wage in all markets fully benefited. Mm -hmm. So we don't tolerate uh, piecemeal part-time work that disqualifies people from benefits. We use the MIT uh, living wage calculator to mm -hmm. make sure that we have a credible source of um, what that living wage should be in our markets. We 150% is what is um, uh, suggested for uh, an, one adult and one dependent. So mm -hmm. we're trying to make sure that the wage uh, contributes to the household mm -hmm. income adequately. We'd love to uh, increase that amount, um, and we will strive to over time, but it represents to us um, the minimum that we would ever pay anyone, mm -hmm. and it's always above $15 an hour. Um, we also adjust uh, for other salaried and wage earners to make sure there's uh, rationale across the mm -hmm. um, whole group of people. Um, we're big advocates for Fight for 15, uh, national uh, standard mm -hmm. uh, minimum, minimum wage, no exemptions. Um, but we do also worry a lot about other um, non-salary, non-wage uh, conditions and benefits for our employees. Mm -hmm. So uh, we try to make sure that uh, starting with our culture, that we're creating a culture that's healthy and respectful for our fellow colleagues. Mm -hmm. We uh, have a, run a lot of employee-driven committees um, on wellness, on the green team, et cetera. We recruit them to design their own um, sort of work life, if you will. Uh, we work with a benefits provider that's fashion forward and thinking about um, 
uh, new things we can do. We also are just labeled. So that's a food style label that attends to, I think it's 22 areas of social justice practice in a corporate setting, is looking at um, procurement policies, labor practices, ethnic and gender diversity. Mm -hmm. We choose diversity. If you don't choose diversity, you don't get it. What does we, that mean to choose diversity? So if you wait for it to happen, mm -hmm. you will be subject to legacy dynamics in our mm -hmm. view. So mm -hmm. we affirmatively go out and choose diversity everywhere we can, try to keep very high proportions of diversity um, throughout the organization and work with uh, other uh, vendor partners uh, like LaborX is a mm -hmm. platform we go to often to seek non-traditional workers so that we have a better pipeline. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how others respond to your practices, others in other banking institutions, and the you know, you're paying 150% of a living wage. Do they look at that and say, well, that's all very nice. You're a small bank. Mm -hmm. You have a social mission. You know, good for you. Yes. We couldn't possibly. Yeah. Um, and what's the response? If, if that's happening, what's your response? So um, being a small bank should actually make it harder for us mm -hmm. to pay that because we don't have the same scale mm -hmm. economies that the big banks do. Yep. We don't have the bargaining power. We don't have that concentration of power. So it's a somewhat of a chimera to say we're too big to pay our employees fairly. Um, likely it's more capital market pressure. Um, we, ha we also need to be profitable. That is part of our business model, mm -hmm. and it is certainly a regulatory requirement. Um, we target a 6 to 10% return on equity uh, uh, in a very stable way. Mm -hmm. We feel that's enough to fuel our growth and uh, be resilient, but not so much that we're overcharging or underpaying somewhere because – um, in our experience, high returns from overcharging and underpaying are not only not part of our mission, but they're not sustainable over time. Right. And they set off other um, uh, second-order effects, and yes. you see them. Yes, right. I mean, right. if people aren't making up in their uh, basic wage, then you're going to have a very strong sales culture um, right. if that's the only other place they can pick up some right. income. Right, interesting. So... Um, you lead a, a triple bottom line business, as we've been discussing. In what ways is leading a triple bottom line business more difficult than leading a business that has a more singular focus? And are there ways in which it's less difficult than leading yeah. a business with a singular focus on profit? Yeah, I am sort of a half glass full mm -hmm. gal, but the um, so I think it's actually easier. It is more complex. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's an optimization model, not a maximization model. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a categorical mind. I really, it's very hard for me to focus because everything is related to me. So I prefer an optimization model. And I think it's more reflective of reality mm -hmm. that in a sense, if you put a maximization model into the world, you're solving um, for one outcome that, that isn't actually truly sustainable mm -hmm. in the world that we know. Um, the, I, I think uh, it's, it's interesting. Diversity and optimization are both perceived to be harder to manage, more complex, but they lead to better decisioning. I think the studies are starting to show this. That, um, and, and can you give an example of what that might mean in practice, uh, optimization and diversity, and how it might influence it, your decision-making? Mm-hmm. Um, so diversity in decision-making, I think, means that you are inviting, if mm -hmm. not recruiting, more points of view into the decisioning process. You will, in a sense, have less common ground at the outset, mm -hmm. but you will have a richer consideration of all the real factors that are influencing the best decision to make. 
optimization, I think, is harder. Um, it's a harder process to manage uh, because you can't sort of take a linear approach. Um, I'm not explaining this well, but I think there's just more things going on at once mm -hmm. that you have to keep track of and think of what the interdependencies are. So you're really trying to balance multiple goals or pursue multiple goals and find the way that those are synergistic. Is yes, and mutually interdependent. Mm -hmm. But I think what we've done for a couple hundred years now is insist on a maximization model that isn't eliminating those second order and interdependency effects, it's just ignoring them. Mm -hmm. So we're opening the aperture of the camera lens and looking at everything that's going on. I keep a list called these things also happened because just because you aren't noticing them doesn't mean they aren't happening. Yeah, yeah. So a final question then about you as a, as a leader. So in this space, in the, in the, given what your bank is trying to do, given that it's a triple bottom line, business, you are managing lots of different goals, as we've described, connecting with lots of different constituencies. What do you think makes you particularly successful in doing that? So that if somebody else is aspiring to this and thinking, I don't know if I can do that, mm -hmm. are there, you know, is there, is there something that allows you to, to achieve this? Um, so it begins with it's uh, not me. It's mm -hmm. us. And it is a... Um, so we believe that we do better together than apart. That's sort of a basic philosophy of the bank. Mm -hmm. And that means we also would, we manage better when we listen to all the voices and when people have agency and accountability and authority. So we're trying to delegate out decisioning, not in a uh, disorganized way, mm -hmm. but we're trying to get uh, more heads into the process. I, I often say, let's put more and different people in charge. Mm -hmm. Let's get those new points of view. Let's get the diversity. Let's get the optimization minds in there, and let's get as many as we can. If if I think about the world, when we, uh, you know, we sort of bemoan seven billion people because it seems like such a challenge, but that's seven billion hidden geniuses. Mm -hmm. And if we could find a way, in an organized way, to harness all that mental energy and imagination and vision, I think we'd actually make better choices and come up with better institutions. And so that's what we're trying to do on a mini scale. Um, and that means a lot of um, emphasis on succession, not the succession like if someone gets hit by a bus, who's mm -hmm. going to take over mm -hmm. them. But we're really trying to focus on how do we uh, help people develop their skills and opportunity set to the, the highest that they could possibly be so they can take a large leading role in the organization. Great. Fabulous. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having us here and delving into banking. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.